Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. All right. Well, uh, welcome, guys, to another episode of Banter. Uh, Very exciting to be jumping into this Pruning the Branches series. And uh, Mitch, thank you for your your teaching on Sunday. Oh, it's a pleasure. Pruning the idols. It's, um, I think, something that is a lot more relevant and a lot more um, pertinent to us today than we can sometimes think. I think idols can often feel like something that is foreign and ancient yeah i I had a note here i said we are too sophisticated to bow before an ancient idol yes 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 do you think do you think that that's true do you think we are too sophisticated i think we are like the (laughs) yeah if the thought of bowing before some little gold Mm. object or stone object seems really foreign to us yeah 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 definitely foreign i definitely i think that that idea of like bowing down to something maybe it's like we've sort of like lost that reverence that we should have for something Mm. i feel like we don't we don't really bow down to god very often at least in the protestant tradition no and this idea of yeah bowing down and we don't really bow to well i guess if the queen came you'd bow to the queen yeah you don't really bow before people anymore not really no it's a very like old thing in antiquity sort of action i might have mentioned it i can't before but Rachel and I have been watching lots of Korean dramas on Netflix yeah. late. I've been finding them really interesting and you have to watch them with subtitles because mm. the dubbing's just awful sure. but um very respectful culture like there's still that sort of hierarchy and so a lot of the dramas we watch seem to revolve around workplaces and mm. conflicts and you always bow before yeah and it's always like it's bowing and really respectful it's just interesting yeah it's, yeah 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 and it's fascinating to see Obviously, Korea's shifted, like, the culture. So you can see, like, where the Western values are starting to slip in. But it's, yeah. like, this clash of, like, old sort of... So yeah, it interesting is to fascinating. Watch, to yeah. Yeah, I definitely... I, it's a fascinating thing. I was even sort of thinking um, how, you know, we, we less and less have reverence for, for all things, right, in, mm. like, a Western culture. I was um, kind of talking to M the other day just about... Um, when I grew up, I used to call all my family friends, like, Uncle Ken, Auntie Lisa, like, people who were not blood <laughs> yep. relation. It was sort of this, like, honorary yeah. thing, you know. Um, and that's, like, very common in, in other cultures today, you know, to call people who aren't your un- uncle, aren't your auntie, like, Uncle, Auntie, mm-hmm. like, as these sort of titles of, of reverence and respect. Um, I feel like that's a lot less common. You don't, like, kind of oh. hear as many, like, kids today referring to, like, family friends as Uncle this yeah, and Auntie yeah. that. So it's fascinating, this whole sort of system of reverence, like right up from the top of like a worship of God all the way down to just like, you know, a cultural sort of relationship. It's all been like... Yeah, it's all been stripped back. I wonder if that's an Australian thing. We're pretty like... Yeah. Like even myself, I hated being called Pastor Mitch. Like (laughs) grind my gear. What'd you hate about that? I just didn't like the title. Yeah. It just, I feel like it just stuck me on a pedestal Mm. of like, oh, this is where you fit. Yeah. In the social, particularly at the school, this is where you fit within the social yeah. strata of this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just... Yeah, I mean, like, I agree with that. I feel like um, even, like, when teaching a, a class at college, I think that there's, for me, um, 
a certain like reverence, especially like some of the international students that they really give. There's actually a fascinating thing that um, in a lot of like Southeast Asian countries, you have this culture. I said Southeast Asian, I meant South Asian. So like sort of your Indian, yeah. Bangladesh, sort of Pakistan, uh, where you do not question the authority of the teacher. So even if, you know, like I was to say something in class that was just like so obviously incorrect or that they just like at their very core disagreed with, they uh, wouldn't question it. Mm. And like, so for me to try to break down some of that hierarchy so that we can then critically engage in conversations and stuff. Like I feel like similarly in a pastoral sense, if there is too much of a reverence, too much of a, you know, lifting up on a pedestal and even idolizing Mm. to a degree, you actually end up, limiting the type of conversations you can have yeah I, I found that a lot at regents park in particular yeah they were just migrants i was there for five years the most conversation i had was hello mm. they just didn't want to talk mm. it was like oh you're yeah and then when i did when lockdown hit in 2020 i helped teach a little pentecostal church in sri lanka by zoom yeah and the first few lessons they just sat there yeah, utter silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like just awful because I was so used to like the because <laughs> obviously everyone was on Zoom. Sure, everyone like kind of chipping in and mm. questioning, you know, this part of the Bible. Yeah, and they just sat there and I'd be like, oh, do you have any questions? And they're like, no. And and so for weeks I thought that they just didn't like me. Yeah, and yeah. And yeah. someone else like, no, no, they love you. It's just they're respecting you. That's sure, sure, I was sure. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. But eventually they started, they got used to, they started asking questions, yeah, but it was yeah, a long, yeah. it was, yeah. that's by the end of the six month period, it's sort of yeah. teaching them like that. I mean, I'm sure yeah. likewise, if a teacher from like, you know, those cultures came and we're experiencing these, you know, Western students or whatever, just questioning things and getting, like they would probably interpret that as quite disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, as well. It's funny. Yeah. So, funny. so like as we kind of look at this this sort of cultural mm. shift from a very literal bowing down mm. of you know a statue um and kind of moving into maybe more an idolatry of the heart and an idolatry yes. of the mind um we kind of like look at all of these different ways in which things can be worshipped today uh which you explored what are some of like maybe the more subversive ways that you yeah. sort of see idolatry occurring today in our culture? Yeah. So one, I've mentioned it very briefly, skin colour. Yeah. There's a sense of like racism, which can be quite an idol where mm. one thinks one thinks that their culture is superior to another. Yeah. And yeah, may or even be aware of that, mm. just in how you think about people or talk about people there's a mm. idolatry there um we got a lot of people happiness mm. that's probably one of the biggest styles here in the mm. west people just want to be happy but and the problem with happiness compared to joy you can be joyful but in being a bad situation but yeah. happiness you, you have to remove anything that mm. makes you unhappy mm. so yeah, you actually end up being more miserable because you try to set your life in a way yeah. that removes any pain, suffering, makes you unhappy. And sure. So, yeah, you've set yourself up for failure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of ir- ironic in that search yeah. for happiness. You're yeah. making yourself unhappy. So, like some people, like marriage, family, kids, and if that becomes the idol, yeah, it becomes like quite stifling. Yeah. Either you become like overprotective yeah. parent and your kids grow to like despise yeah, you. For um, sure. So probably not as common now, but there's 
Yeah, certainly. I think we were talking about this in the last podcast, pre-Christendom, like the religion, the idol of religion. Like yes. Just, yeah, something there. Well, it could be anything. Like it's, and, and obviously you got the big ones, sex, money, yeah. power. Yeah, 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 for sure. Looks. Um, yeah, mm. look, there was at high school, personal experience, I wanted to be massive mm. and huge. I used to do a lot of weightlifting. I feel like little Mitch would be very proud of you now. <laughs> <laughs> and big Mitch. <laughs> yeah, I was about 17 and like a lot of teenage boys just yeah. wanted to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. For and sure. look, it was quite... Oh, look, I don't took steroids, but I could see the temptation. Is yeah. Some people, like, you physiologically just are not going to grow. So sure. to get to that next stage, you start yeah. pumping steroids into you. Yeah, you yeah. So, yeah, I really like what Keller says in his book about, yeah, counterfeit gods. Mm. That, yeah, we don't... He, he talks about that. Yeah, we may not have priests that offer pagan rituals like in the ancient world, yeah. but we still follow rituals Yeah, yeah, yeah. to, like, the gods of... Yeah, work. You know, you're not sacrificing to Molech, your firstborn, but you might as well be because you right. might neglect your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah, that um, promotion, or even just to yeah, yeah continue that. I think work. I said Artemis, but it was wrong. And so, like Epaphrodite, I think was he says Epaphrodite, the god of love and beauty. So yeah, bulimia or steroids or whatever it is. Like there's yeah. sort of he says they still they still traps you in the same way. Yeah, and I think the biggest one is just. Uh, just phones like what we like yeah. Carrie's great challenge of not looking at the news yeah yeah there's a sense of if your identity is wrapped up in this little rectangle box <laughs> for sure yeah screen yeah that's yeah well you see some people when suddenly they, they lose their phone mm. <laughs> have, a, have a, a panic attack yeah you know? it's like a piece of their soul yeah soul, yeah yeah so. totally I think it's really interesting when we like look at um, making an idol of uh, like for example, a, a spouse or, or kids or your your boyfriend or girlfriend or you know um, yeah even you know making sort of an idol of a certain friend um, is a really fascinating thing that again um, the Tim Keller speaks about in the meaning of marriage about how not only are you setting yourself up for failure you're setting the other person up for failure because mm. suddenly you're expecting whoever it is and I I, I think I I've seen it you know through high school and, and university even people put these sort of expectations on friends as well. It doesn't just have to be a family or, you know, romantic relationship where suddenly if you're looking to somebody else to fill that hole of Jesus, ultimately they are going to, you know, let you down at mm. some point and then you're probably going to resent them. Yeah. You're going to be holding them to a higher expectation than what they probably want to be held. You're going to be, you know, expecting more from them than what that they can provide. And really it's like unfair while they're still fulfilling that because you're putting too much of a burden on them. And it's unfair when they finally fall short of it mm. because ultimately you're resenting them for something which is actually your issue, right? Um, and yeah, it's something which is, I think, the, the other side of it that's not only unfair on you, it's unfair on the other oh, person totally. that you're elevating to that level. Because mm. we're in a few weeks' time, you are talking about expectations. Yeah. So for the small group questions, yeah, I think one of the questions are asked is along the lines of, you know, what are some of the unrealistic expectations you have of God? Sure. And that, yeah. Uh, similarly to the unrealistic expectation of people. Yeah. 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 That I can be very sinister. Absolutely. And um, yeah, from when I first was married, I hadn't realized how many unrealistic expectations I had of Rachel. Because mm. like, oh, this is how my parents did it. And then 
it's like why didn't like you needed to communicate that i was like oh yeah yes, i should have <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, didn't. yeah yeah no mm. it's really interesting and like i think that there's also like in that i think that, that that's a really good point that not only as we're you know um interacting in, in in healthy relationships hopefully in you know marriage friendship like we are also creating expectations for other people right so if you do say idolize your wife mm. and then your kids see that then you're not only setting yourself up for failure you're mm. not just setting your wife up for failure you're setting your kids up for yeah. failure as well because they're then going to say and that's not me suggesting that your parents mm. are doing I, it the I wrong know. way there just is an interesting reminder that as you know parents as people you know who are um, mentoring other people you are creating sometimes subconsciously and you know unintentionally paradigms that they're then going to look to for their own relationships and it can kind of be this cyclical thing right which is really fascinating well it kind of ties in well that cyclical nature because in exodus 20 yeah like the first couple of commandments which yeah i'll read out here it says i am the lord your god who brought you out of egypt out of the land of slavery you shall have no other gods before me you shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath or in the waters below shall not bow down to them or worship them for i the lord your god am a jealous god punishing the children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me keep my commandments mm. and that seems to be yeah there's a little bit of discussion amongst commentators what does that mean the third mm. or fourth generation where it yeah. is oh you know three or four generations lived in the one house normally yeah. so is it just yeah at this moment or is it sins are passed down and yeah yeah like talking to my my mom and my brother and my sister who worked in sort of that helping profession OTs sure. juvenile justice and social workers yeah it, it is a pattern of mm often poverty and domestic violence that just passes through sure continues on so yeah 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 that seems, that's sort of one interpretation of that like yeah those that reject god it seems to be yeah 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 maybe that's not it's not so much or at least not solely god's decision to bring some sort of dare i say even like curse mm. upon future generations mm. But it's actually recognizing that, hey, if you make alcohol your idol <laughs> and become an alcoholic, like your kids just statistically are so much more likely yeah. to have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol or like whatever it is, yeah. you know. And it is, yeah, something which is really interesting that you're saying because we don't think about people living together so much these days in yeah. those multi-generational mm. situations. Um, but yeah, even I suppose the responsibility that people have over their own household and how that affects their household. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, one of the things, and this is where I guess that can always go back to the two-handed nature of scripture because sure. even Moses talks about, you know, the child won't be punished for the sin of the parents. Sure. But then you sort of see there is a collectivism in the Bible where... yeah. Achan is killed and his whole family for his sin yeah. at Jericho and you're like, oh, Kaiki's and then Yeah. Yeah, another one, um, I think of Isaac with Rebecca saying, Oh, she's my sister and then Abimelech's like, Hey, you would have like cursed all of us. We would all have been defiled if one of us had taken Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and then King David when he commits the sin of taking the census of the army. Yeah. It affects like, the whole nation. Now yeah. seventy thousand are wiped yeah. out. It's like oh. Yeah like the decision of like the king impacted mm. so it's sort of yeah what's the answer both it's sort of that yeah 
like the leader has a collective impact but also yeah yeah yeah. individual responsibility yeah and but the the thing is which all commentators know is there's a difference in the time frame of the punishment three and four generations sure shorter than a thousand just a bit yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's sad yeah, and so God's jealousy, El Kanah, which is what we'd never, like, we'd never go, oh, I worship the, the jealous God. I, we, yeah, like I've so. really struggled with that idea of God being jealous yeah. in the past because it seems so petty. Like jealousy in a modern understanding oh, is pettiness. Yeah, well, it's right? Shakespeare, yeah, it's a green eyed monster. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how how do you, like, yeah, let's, let's unpack that a little mm. bit because obviously, like, at the end of the day, like, idolatry does come back to a jealous God. Mm. Um, how would you unpack that word? You're speaking to somebody yeah. who doesn't understand the nature of God, doesn't understand how that actually works and is really put off mm. and suddenly like, oh, I don't want to worship a petty yeah. jealous God. Like they're interpreting it in, I assume how yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of people would in a modern well, have context. You seen, I haven't seen it, but apparently Ridley Scott's Exodus is it Gone Kings? No, no. I don't know. It came up when I was at Bible college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, he portrays Yahweh as this like petulant child, right? Because he obviously reads passages like this and equates yeah. his understanding of jealousy. Sure. So yeah, it's but um, yeah. So actually, it's when I was reading a commentary, there's the root of Kana, like the word jealous, means something to like become intensely red. Isn't that interesting. Mm. Like a real verb. Yeah, um, it's very visual. <laughs> visual, like becoming, becoming red. intensely so, red. Yeah, that's like the root word. And so it can be translated in English as zeal, rage, jealousy, or impassioned. So that's sort of some mm. of the ways. But, the, but what most commentators do, and I just stole their yeah, analogy, yeah, yeah, yeah. is the marriage one, which comes up a couple of times, like a husband being jealous. And and mm. so, yeah, I read somewhere saying it's like a holy jealousy, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I use that. And I was just like, well, if either Rachel and I cheat on each other, and our response is, meh. Mm. It's quite reflective of the state of the marriage if you don't care. So there's a yeah. time where I think jealousy is necessary. Well, yeah. Marriage. Yeah, like I imagine if, you know, a spouse, for instance, was to come to their partner and say, like, oh, hey, like, I, I had an affair. <laughs> the partner's like, oh, no worries. Like, it probably, oh, okay. Like, there's, there's another problem now going on here. Like, you don't care at all. Well, because what's his face? Will Smith and, I don't know, Jade. Yeah, Jade. Like, yeah. apparently they're in some sort of well, weird... yeah. I'd... But, like, you see, like... Well, this is the problem of it, right? They're like, so I think that I always... I, I like, because I was kind of fascinated with that as well, because there was such a, in my mind, hypocrisy or contradiction mm. there. They're like, we're in an open relationship. Mm that we, like, are loyal to each other. So, like, it was such, like, them just being, like, trying to be cool with new age, essentially. But there was this idea, it's like, we give each other the opportunity to cheat or to, you know, be with other people. Um, And the caveat of that, like, every time I kind of heard them explain it, because I was, like, really intrigued by it, was because we fully trust the other person. But then she did cheat on him. And then he was like just massively cut by it yeah. and jealous, right? As a loving husband, yeah. Um, yeah, it obviously shows that that idea of an open relationship that's, that's is flawed. Sort of... I mean, yeah, it's um, 
you know, uh, I think I've shared before, Emily, like, had a, like, time where she was just really just fascinated with that whole uh, polygamist Mormon culture. And there's mm. all those sort of, like, TLC shows about mm. it. And every single... There's quite a few of them, like, and every single one, you, like, watch a few episodes, you're like, these people are not happy. Like, there is a real strain that is put on a family when you mm. have multiple wives who are all... In, in however you want to sort of define it, they would all say that it is a consensual situation. Mm. You know, they have all entered it knowing and, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem to be, you know, that that's not how we're hardwired. No. Right? As I like to talk about... So the Bible, like often narratives don't... The narrator doesn't outrightly give you, like, the condemnation. But if you look at Jacob, yeah. Mm. Rachel. <laughs> yeah, the like, like three mm. patriarchs all seem to have massive issues like, for yeah, having this multiple. This is not looking healthy. Like, yeah, yeah, This is yeah. just like chaos. And it's like, you just, just kind of leave it like there. Don't, I, I probably don't need to tell you that this is wrong. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. just sisters vying for the attention of their husband and using their kids as pawns to sleep with him. Yeah. Okay, you can have him this night and yeah, I'll have him this night and take this maidservant and you have this. It's just like, wow, this is just... So in all of this of seeing, you know, and I, I think it is a, you know, really strong comparison of a, a jealous God, um, mm. you know, um, how would you sort of then unpack um, a prophet like Hosea, who sort of has that sort of infamous, like promiscuous wife. Mm. And from my reading of like, you know, that prophet, he's definitely taking on the role of God in that sort of symbolic mm. relationship. And the, you know, promiscuous wife is definitely, you know, Israel at the time, yeah, but yeah, anybody yeah. who is, you know, calls themselves a, a believer in God. Um, I don't know. How, how do you read that? I read that as definitely him being seen as um, very righteous and still loyal to a, to a wife. Mm. That's sort of the image that we're given, right? In that a, a God who is still yeah. faithful despite our lack of loyalty. Yeah, I, I th Isaiah is just one of many prophets that endured some fairly horrendous sure. living parables. Sure. Ezekiel laid on his side for... What's it? Three, yeah. 300, it's 40 days on one side and like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. over the other. It's yeah, I mean, he eats like... 390 you know, days. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He is meant to cook poo, food over human poo, and that's yeah, the one yeah, concession. Yeah. Okay, you can use animal yeah. dung instead. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks God. <laughs> yeah, and then Isaiah goes around for several years naked. Yeah, it seems to be the prophets embodied almost the yeah. hor the terrible burden that Yahweh carried for his yeah, people. Yeah, well, Jeremiah carries that yoke. Yeah, he's he literally yeah. yoke around him. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah, it doesn't shock me. Because there's so few, yeah, things I've read are like, no, there's no way God allowed him to marry it. That's like, well, why not? Like, it feels like actually that makes the image more wholesome in some ways. Do you say again? There's, no, no, way he, there's no There's allow. some. There's some commentators said no way they'd let him marry like an actual prostitute. They say it's just sure. a parable. And sure. I feel like, well, if if it didn't happen really, then it loses the meaning of the like the prophet embodying. Yeah. God and like that living parable. Yeah, prophetic acts are a pretty like clear thing that yeah. they the prophets are at times called to do some pretty insane real things mm. as a symbolic gesture of, so, you like, know, whatever is going on between yeah. God and his people or yeah, mm. so it's kind of 
it's it's striking when we suddenly realize that that's the image that we're given yeah. for a people of god who are still i suppose you know for lack of a better word promiscuous mm. in our in our worship um yeah. what do you sort of see like, how do you unpack the um specific importance of engraved images and mm. and that side of yeah. worship so obviously you know the, the golden calf mm. like yeah god god wasn't just angry because they made a statue but that definitely seems to be like part of it as yeah. well what's going on there for you yeah. for you how do you kind see of that. see that as engraved yeah. images statues yeah. how god yeah, feels um, about that so images it's interesting that um humans are made in the image of god and the hebrew word selam mm. it can be used of idols you could yeah. say we're the idols of god sure so I- images were just commonplace in the ancient world yeah. um yeah so you fill your temple full of images of the god so you knew who to worship it mm. gives a so it's quite radical that yahweh is like no nothing in creation except for humans can be in my image mm. so, but we don't worship other humans it's mm. a, the image of god that's a complex thing to unpack but yeah. the idea is like god's invisible and that's sure. a very unique characteristic is that you can't represent him yeah. closest thing that you can represent him to is a human which we see in jesus but in sure but in the time of the exodus there's a the in the tabernacle you've got the ark of the covenant and that's meant to be yahweh's throne mm. and it's invisible like yeah it's wait, almost like waiting for someone to sit there but we don't know who that is so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and so i guess with the golden calf there's a few things there being unpacked is that yeah, bulls represented strength, power, fertility, and were quite common symbols of the ancient world, I- including Egypt, which the people yeah. just come from. So there's still probably bits of Egypt in there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they were so there for 400 years. Yeah, I'm sure so, it kind you know, of seeped into their psyche a bit. Yeah, so that's obviously there, is that... I think it's interesting, like, reading it. I th- yeah, my, my understanding is it, it's it says, come make us gods who will go before us, you know, mm. and then... Aaron's like, you know, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So it's just really interesting because they've encountered Yahweh. Mm. Well, even before that, because Moses like, hey, you know, who, you ask me who sent you, and his response is, I am who I am. So there's this, mm. should be this sense of like, okay, Yahweh has rescued us, but yeah. here they've just forgotten about that. And so let's yeah. have the calf that, yeah, yeah. going forth. So it's, it's that part of it literally disobeying the you know yeah having another god yeah yeah yeah. and then making an image and bowing down and worship they breached the first couple of commandments yeah and it is fascinating because i mean Mm. you know correctly so you talk Mm. about you know god the father being invisible Mm. but at the same time i mean i feel like the israelites during you know the exodus um (laughs) saw i'm gonna say more physical manifestations Mm -hmm. of god than you know most people get to see in their entire lifetime um and even you know after the plagues after the you know sea being Mm. split there's this like pillar of cloud during the day and pillar of fire at night like i mean what what could be more of a physical manifestation Mm. of god Mm. literally constantly there and then at that moment because exodus 19 is when like yahweh comes down sure. in the cloud and they're, they're terrified, terrified of it like, yeah okay, most you go up like, yeah, yeah, if yeah, we, we go we're gonna to. die it's yeah. the israelites are just the most contradictory just it's just 
unbelievable. Yeah. It's actually quite mind-boggling just how yeah. faithless they are. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess that's just human nature. I guess the end of it. That's all I can... Yeah. But even though I, did, I haven't, didn't even touch on it, but in, in chapter 32, that's where you get the whole... Yahweh's, I'm going to wipe them out and start with you. And Moses is like, oh, if you do that, the nations will yeah. be mocking us because you made the promise to Abraham. And yeah, it says, yeah, like, yeah. God relented. And if you got an older translation, God repented. And you're like, what? Was that the intention? Was yeah. was he going to wipe them out or was it a test? It's just this. Yeah. But yeah, Moses just keeps going back. But you made this promise to Abraham. You can't yeah, reach yeah, it. You're yeah. like, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, this is probably way off topic, but I feel like this is in the spirit of banter. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what's your take on that moment? Because it's oh. definitely something that people have brought up with me before. It's a confusing yeah. passage. Do you think that Moses changed God's mind? Yeah. Or do you think that it was always God's plan? I don't know. What yeah, do you think? I, How I, do you... I honestly don't know. Yeah. I don't think that's... <laughs> sure. Not the answer people want, but that's, uh, that's part yeah, of the yeah. mystery. Because the Hebrew word to like remember, I have to actually pull out the passage because it's not there but whenever the context of God talks about God remembering like mm. his covenant it's not that he forgets sure it's, it's, <laughs> means something along it's remembering to do an action so mm. yeah, God hears the cries of the Israelites in their slavery and he goes and he remembers his covenant it's not like oh, mm. oh just sort of chilling there in heaven and like oh that's right yeah. I made this agreement it's, yeah it's sort of like responded to it, yeah it's so I think there's that part too. It's not that he's, yeah. What am I trying to say? That he's that he's because there's a the, oh, I can't remember the the theological word for it, but like God can't change his mind. What's it called? Um, unmutable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's unmutable. That's the technical word. Yeah. And so God can't change, but God feels emotions and. But at the same time too, like I look at like Nineveh, and like that was meant to be destroyed. 40 days never shall be destroyed yeah, yeah, and yeah. repent so yep. in some ways is that yeah like God knows all the future obviously and mm. I don't know, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a big it's, question it's yeah, a big yeah. question I think I'm happy just saying I don't really know yeah because there's guys out there who are called open theists okay who would suggest that God doesn't know the future based on passages like that that mm. say like oh he did change his mind so yeah he was going to destroy him but then mm. Moses changed his mind and Mm. Yeah, I'm just happy sitting with the, the tension. The I thought that's a whole other episode of banter. <laughs> that is an interesting thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, as I think we've uh, covered many times before, mm. I think it's very important to sometimes just say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, that's it, I don't know. I, yeah. But I know that, like, I guess that the point I was trying to make about God remembering is that, yeah, it's there's sometimes limitation on just the words we use and even mm. how we read into a word like, remembers repented like the old king james said repented like that implies god did something wrong mm-hmm. and but like yeah i think god relented is a much better word it's mm. yeah he it's an act of mercy <laughs> he should have wiped him out and didn't yeah uh, super mm. fascinating mm. so we see mm. we, we see um you know actually even in the tabernacle itself but we see um many moments of God-ordained um, artistry and craftsmanship mm. of, like, making statues, making, you know, 
figures. I mean, mm. one that I find really striking is when they are finally building the temple out in the courtyard, there's like bronze oxes or bronze yeah, yeah. bulls being made, which I'm like, this is feeling really similar to a golden calf. <laughs> or even, you know, like mm. some, some sort of translations of, you know, even... Oh, no, sorry, I shouldn't say some translations. Um, the word calf and bull is like could 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 be interchangeable mm. in that hebrew like maybe it was a yeah. golden bull maybe it was a golden calf yeah the sort of popular translations decided to go with calf yeah. but yeah like maybe it was a bull like it's yeah. getting it feels to be like getting very close right yeah. that god's like now calling them to make a bronze mm. ox a bronze bull in the courtyard of his temple mm. so it's obviously like god doesn't have a problem in the right context with us making statues yeah. of animals even well even like in the temple in the tabernacle the curtain that separated the holy of holies and the, the yeah. most holy place had cherubim stitched in it sure and yeah it i think it's those images were helpful for kind of i've heard greg beale in his book on temples say like the so the earth in the ancient mind is like three layers so you got heaven yep. sky and land and the yeah. same way the the temples like that holy holies is heaven and you've got like the most holy place which is like yeah uh, sort of i guess sky sort of heaven like kind of mixed in one and then you sure. get out to the outer courtyard that's like the land yeah. and sea kind of mixed yeah. in and so yeah having like bulls reminds you of the land and then there's the, the big wash basin which reminds you of yeah. the water then you go inside and it's like so like the skies and you got the angels no, the holy holies that's where heaven is where god's yeah yeah because yeah. that's what the point of the tabernacle and the temple was meant to be heaven on earth and yeah, so to point people towards yeah. god and yeah because there's lots of other images in there you got the candle with the Absolutely. lights and yeah there's bread in there so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um what paul, paul says in romans 1 25 people ex, you know exchanged their knowledge of god and they worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator yeah and so the cre creation itself is like it points to god but it's never to be worshipped. So, mm. yeah, I think those images there were to be helpful reminders. Mm. But there's no, yeah, command worship in front of the bulls that sure. were built around. I guess like ten of them around, like yeah. the, the the big wash. Yeah, basin. holding yeah, up yeah, the, basin. the bronze sea. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does seem to be um, more to it than just mm. God not liking us making statues. Mm. Um, so, like, kind of moving on from there, um, you sort of spoke about this idea of Beale saying we are what we worship. Yeah. Um, but in a sort of ancient context, what people worshipped was very different. Mm. What what did um, people in, you know, both the Old Testament and the New Testament outside of God's people, mm. what sort of things were they worshipping? And how do we actually see that addressed yeah. in places in the Bible? How, how mm. may... Um, our understanding and exploration mm. of what other cultures in that time were worshipping helped to further understand some other passages of, of scripture. Yeah, so look, 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 I guess one of them is, uh, let's go with Elijah and the sure. prophets of Baal. Yeah. So Baal was meant to be, there's a lot of irony, Baal's meant to be the storm god. Mm. And so, yeah, Yahweh calls a drought. Sure. <laughs> it's like, hey, you worship the storm god? Hey, look, no yeah, rain. Yeah. But you see how like they're interacting like the priests are cutting themselves up yeah so that's just i guess a bit of a snapshot of the type of to get his attention you mutilate yourself for sure to get that attention um 
or, or like if you read Kings, it often comes up with the wicked kings would sacrifice their firstborn son yeah. to Moloch. Like that's yeah. representative of the type of behaviors. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. if you're worshiping a god that demands the death of your firstborn to be sacrificed, sure, that says a lot about their character. Sure. Um, how would you as a sorry this yeah, is like yeah, a complete no, no, no. tangent um i'm just um have been seeing a few things online mm. um recently around um christians being against abortion mm. and people who are non-christian bringing up the story of exodus the final plague yeah, of yeah, killing yeah, all yeah, the firstborns yeah. it's like well if god really cares so much about mm. you know babies about yeah. you know unborn um, why did he do that? And this is kind of, it's something that we see in Judges as well. This is a mm. core moment where, um, it's not Jethro, is it? What was, who's the oh, judge? Jephthah. Who? Jephthah. Yeah, yeah he kind of sacrifices his firstborn and that's seen as like this sort of just complete misunderstanding yeah. of, yeah, how would you like unpack that? Mm. What, what would you kind of... Yeah, so, well, um, so at the beginning of the Exodus, uh, before the plagues, I think it's Exodus 4.23, yeah. Yahweh through Moses says to Pharaoh, hey, let my firstborn son go or your firstborn will die. So it's been yeah. implied. And it's interesting because of all the plagues, the 10th one affects both Israelite and Egyptian. The only reason Egypt, the Israelites are saved is because of the Passover sure. meal. So, yeah. Because um, firstborn was like... Well, even Abraham and Isaac. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's, you know, called to sacrifice, sacrifice his firstborn, yeah. right? Or... Kind of second, yeah, 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 yeah. Secondborn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, firstborn was like everything for the ancient world, so yeah. was, they were the one to continue the family legacy. Mm. So it's like it's like yeah, really cutting the knees off of a family, mm. so to speak, mm. really would wound them. And yeah, look, I'd ha I'd really have to read more up about it. I'm not an expert by any yeah. means, but I see it as yeah that that way. That was always. From the, from the beginning, it was implied that Israel is my firstborn. Mm. And God even says, I own all the firstborn, mm. all the animals, they're mine. Mm. But then he takes the tribe of Levi, mm. and they become his firstborn, in inverted sure. commas. They're yeah, the ones yeah, yeah. to serve him. So, yeah, how do you respond to people like that? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> With love. <laughs> love. Um, yeah, this, this is... Uh, I think it comes down to the, like, the whole idea, concept of sin equaling death. And mm. so that substitute has always been there from the beginning that God, yeah, because God didn't hate the Egyptians, all of them, because we, we're told that some of the Egyptians actually went with the Israelites, sure. they were foreigners. So it, the implication seems to be more about the sin, like only those that had the Passover mm. lamb, they were the ones who were saved. Mm. And it's by that, that sacrifice that the firstborn has life. Yeah, something to read up on. That sounds like another podcast. Totally. Sorry, we're, we're, we're <laughs> getting too many yeah, off branch. Yeah, yeah. So the final thing that I'd really just love to sort of look at as we close today is um, this idea of, of fear mm. and, and why do you worship? And I think that it's actually something that we've kind of already come to in that mm. idea. In you know, Exodus, once they're in the wilderness, they're at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and the Israelites start freaking out because of you know the fire yeah. and the smoke and the lightning, um, and they are afraid in an unhelpful way, <laughs> which actually draws them further away from worship yeah. of God. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear um, you unpack a little bit um, as we close about what healthy 
sphere mm. <laughs> of the Lord looks yeah. like and how that can point towards healthy worship yeah. and maybe what unhealthy fear yeah, of the is, Lord yeah. can look like and how that can be detrimental to worship. Yeah. So Proverbs talks about fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Yahweh. Um, yeah, have we, have we spoken about this before? I can't remember, but like, it, I think a more helpful term for fear is that reverence. Yeah. So, yeah, like you... Like for us, like we, to use that analogy of Paul with marriage, like we submit ourselves to Jesus, but it's not mm. a, a birth. Like it's not like Jesus is there choking us from heaven. Sure. And we're like, oh, I tap out, I tap out, I submit. <laughs> it's a, it's a, like he is Lord of Lord, King of Kings, we yeah. bow before him and recognize his supremacy. But there is, he's also, he calls us his friend. And yeah. So fear of the Lord, I see, is similar to that, is that God is all powerful, yeah. his holy god who we just can't comprehend yet yeah. chooses to love us but it doesn't mean he's just our kind of pot smoking buddy like there's a bit of a thing sure. when i was growing up jesus is my home dog and it's sure. like yeah you know no yeah jesus loved sinners but he wasn't there like smoking weed with you know yeah, other people and getting yeah, drunk yeah, with them yeah, he yeah, was yeah. still the holy son of god so yeah yeah fear and, and fear too it, it's a good motivator people don't like to hear that but so yeah. if you're driving and you see like a mobile speed camera, hmm, the fear of getting a ticket at Kells. Sure, yeah, yeah, And so yeah. there's an element of that too. Like that's why the fear of the Lord is. Mm. And so that sense, like the healthy reverence of recognizing who God is and not trying to, yeah. not doing what the people at Babel did, tried to build a, their way to storm heaven and to take over. It's recognizing sure. that we, we had an expression at college. It was, we have to sit under the word, not above it. And I think mm. it's the same way with God. We sit beneath God, not above him. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's what a healthy fear looks like. Unhealthy fear is... God is like a school principal yeah. or a violent parent who just wants yeah. to like any miss like misdemeanor. Fuck. Sure. I'm gonna, you know, if you've yeah, like I think some people they say if they got sick they think oh I'm being punished for my sins yep. and it's yeah no it's that that's an unhealthy fear in the sense that God can't forgive you. I've committed too much wrong. Mm. Yeah, like even going back to that this first couple of commandments, like it's second a third and fourth generation that experienced that judgment mm. but mm. love for a thousand so there's this yeah. forgiveness that's for sure. tied in there and that's always been the heart of scripture is that god god gives lots of warnings the prophets mm. like you read the prophets they're intense mm. but the whole purpose of it is so the israelites will like repent yeah there's like centuries of warning <laughs> yeah and eventually it's like enough's oh, enough like this yeah, is it yeah. but yeah yeah it's not like oh you sin once that's it sure. off to exile you go it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah centuries of trajectory of things getting worse and worse and worse for before sure they can get better so yeah as i see that fear is that it is life-giving and yeah so yeah. good so good mm. well as we uh, continue on with our pruning the branches mm. series uh what will we be looking at uh this so sunday looking at pruning sin yeah which so Focusing on always Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount about if your right hand causes sin, come on your right eye, like pluck it out. And that other yeah. passage in Mark where, um, yeah, Jesus says something similar along the line. So Jesus' foot, he's like, you know, pluck out your eye. Your yeah. Hand so just some really easy teachings. For yeah, and cause it's better to um, it's better to be maimed. It's it's a metaphor for, for sure. For sure. But then to go into like Hades, 
Uh, yeah. Particularly in Mark, it's pretty intense. It's like a place with a worm, like it just devours, yeah. and you're like, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. There isn't but, um, mincing of words there. No, so yeah, you know, it's sort of light and fluffy. Yeah, but I think that uh, you know that's that's probably fitting when we're exploring the theme of sin, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that the, the rough message we have to go amputation mm. of life. So mm. that's yeah. Kind of spiritual surgery. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I think that that will be a really helpful uh, challenge. And Mm. yeah, I think uh, definitely always a helpful thing to explore how much God detests sin and what his real heart is for that. Mm. So I think that'll be really cool. The problem with living in the new covenant in some ways is we just forget. I do it sometimes. Oh, well, just whatever God forgives. Just take it so lightly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Mm. Well, thank you for the oh, chat. Thank you, thank you uh, for people listening. Yes, thank you, dear listener. Hopefully we didn't go too off tangent today. Uh, I feel like we did with it. That's, you know, <laughs> that's banter. We'll look forward to uh, catching you guys all on Sunday. See you then. See you then. See Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.